You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We've got some Joe Burrow news to talk about. We've got some news related to Joe Burrow to talk about. Giovanni Bernard has a new team. And we're going to spend some time looking at Lance Zerline's power ranking, for lack of a better word, of the depth at various positions in this 2021 draft class. But James, the most exciting thing for us to talk about today is the Jimmy Burrow interview with Jeremy Ralph from Fox 19, wherein we learned some things about Joe Burrow's recovery. Great, great news, right? Any update that's encouraging about Joe Burrow is a a good update and great news here on Locked On Bengals. So first things first, uh, both Burrows, Robin and Jimmy, told Jeremy Rao, Fox 19 now, that Joe Burrow's still on track to return and be on the field week one in September when the Bengals take the field uh, for the upcoming season. And then I got a couple of quotes here because it's it's interesting. One, he, he said... That's not only where he's progressed physically, but it's great for his mental state of mind, too, to be able to throw the football because we've known that he's thrown really since the end of February, and Jimmy Burrow confirmed that. But he said, quote, at some point in the next month, he can start utilizing receivers. And that's pretty damn noteworthy, Jake, because you're talking about him, in my opinion, in the way I take it is, okay, so now he's going to start dropping back and throwing to T. Higgins or throwing to Mike Thomas, or throwing to Jamar Chase, or throwing to Thaddeus Moss, who we'll get to, right? And, and throwing to all these guys, um, and, and who knows who he'll actually be throwing to, but actual wide receivers and not the Bengals ball boys, as we saw in that Bengals video last month that they they put out on social media. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's throwing to guys that actually play wide receiver or played wide receiver at some level on the side, outside of Paul Brown Stadium. Maybe even the Bengals have some guys in there that he's, I mean, he's not throwing to, I mean, probably not NFL receivers, but I'm sure they're guys that can, you know, run and catch a football. It Mm -hmm. will be nice for him to start working with guys that actually play for the Bengals, though. Interestingly, a month from now, roughly could line up with uh, the Bengals rookie mini camp if those are in-person events this year. And I'm kind of skeptical that they will be. But perhaps at that point, you know, they could get some guys through a COVID protocol, uh, through the testing and whatnot, and get them into Paul Brown Stadium. It could be rookies, like you said, if it's Jamar Chase with the fifth pick and, and you know, Thaddeus Moss new to the team, any undrafted free agents they bring in, maybe some of those guys are willing to come in and get some reps with Burrow. But you do have to remember as well that the CBA does limit what they can be required to do, so they would have to be doing it on their own volition or Joe Burrow might have to organize it on his own because there are, you know, rules in the CBA that would prevent the Bengals from, you know, running unofficial practices or something as part of Joe Burrow's rehab. But regardless, really encouraging stuff that he's been throwing for as long as he has and that he's on schedule. I I feel like I've kind of always had confidence that he would meet that goal with his work ethic and just how hard you knew he was going to push for this. And it's nice to have that reaffirmation 
from from that conversation. And the thing that stood out to me wasn't even just the updates. We know about his work ethic. We know about his leadership, the intangibles, all that stuff. We we talk about it over and over and over again last year at this time, right, during the pre-draft and post-draft process. Here's a quote from Jimmy Burrow. He said, quote, he's so locked in. We had a week down in Florida that we had hoped he would take a day or two off in his rehab, and he just wouldn't do it. And so he he's just working, working, working. Yeah, I'll go on vacation. I'm still going to rehab my knee. And uh, that's that's awesome. And, and that's why I think so many people buy into him. That right there, whatever that is, people believe in it. And so let's fast forward to Joe Burrow potentially organizing workouts with some of these newcomers or just current teammates on the Bengals roster. If I know this dude's putting in all this time to rehab his knee to be ready week one and he calls me like, hey, let's uh, let's throw the ball around a little bit. Well, I'm showing up and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it happens, but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it does. Would be great. It would be great if some of this footage could make its way out to Bengals fans who would rapidly consume it as we know you do. Any Joe Burrow content is something that Bengals fans love to engage with. It's why when we have Joe Burrow news to talk about, it usually comes first. When the Bengals make a move, if we can tie that to Joe Burrow's success or how it impacts Joe Burrow, we're looking for that angle because Bengals fans love that stuff. And from a football perspective, that's just incredibly important for for how you're going to win games in the NFL. We know how important quarterbacks are. Obviously, it's still a team sport, but we know how important the quarterback is. And so when you have a guy like Burrow who's working as hard as he is to get back, it's just really easy to root for the guy and look forward to what comes next. And, and I just want to see, James, like I said, I want to see that footage like like you saw from Dak Prescott a couple of weeks ago or maybe a week ago. Just give me a little bit more than Joe Burrow walking out onto the field. Show me him <laughs> like just just like a nice, easy five yard throw. Something like that. That's all I want. But who's on the receiving end of that throw? Is that Jamar Chase? Is it Kyle Pitts? Is it maybe an eligible tackle in Penny Sewell showing off his athleticism? No, I'm just kidding. This is my uh, my Madden fantasy here. Either way, yeah, seeing Joe Burrow throw is something I think we're all curious to see, and I think we will see uh, in the near future. Up next, Thaddeus Moss reuniting with one Joe Burrow, plus Giovanni Bernard is headed to his home state. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NFL draft just a couple of weeks away, and even though college hoops is over, the Masters are over, you need to get in on the action now because we're going to be talking about the NFL draft day in, day out here on Locked on Bengals, and you can win money by one thing, betting on some of the prop bets they have, whether it's Penny Sewell being the top tackle in the draft, the number of receivers that are taken in the first round, you can bet on so many different prop bets at betonline.ag. So go there right now, and they got you covered for all the news scores and odds as well. And when you sign up, and it's free to sign up, and you go to make that first deposit, use promo code Locked On because you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Again, betonline.ag, promo code Locked On. Sign up today, and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Is this step one in getting the band back together and creating LSU North? The Cincinnati Bengals 
claim Thaddeus Moss on waivers from the Washington football team. He was actually waived last year too, made it through waivers onto the IR for Washington football team as he never really got into the groove of things and practice. He hardly practiced all year, according to reports, dealing with a foot surgery that he had in February last year. He's now had surgery on both feet, but he was, of course, a safety blanket to some degree for Joe Burrow down in LSU's incredibly potent and explosive offense. Didn't do any athletic testing because of that aforementioned surgery, so we really don't know whether he has any of his dad's athleticism, being Randy Moss's son, of course. But remember last year talking about the draft, James, I was really excited for them to go after Moss as an undrafted free agent just to get Randy into the building or even to draft Moss in the seventh round. Because Randy Moss and Chad Johnson attending Bengals games together, both wearing Bengals colors. I mean, talk about a a fun pair that you could, you know, get a sideline reporter to talk to or something in the middle of the game, huh? That would just be good entertainment. But beyond that, just getting a, a guy that Joe Burrow really liked throwing the ball to a chance to make the team. And the Bengals were interested in Thaddeus Moss. They either pulled the deal or he just took the first deal offered to him, which is what I had heard initially is that Washington offered him first and he took the deal. But now they have a chance to pair him with Joe Burrow again and see what he's got. I like it. You know, there's no risk here claiming him. There's nothing. There's no really sky high expectations or anything. And this is a guy who's good friends with Joe Burrow. And you were interested in him last offseason. You watched every snap that he played with Burrow in 2019 his couple of, you know, two touchdowns against Clemson in the national championship game, uh, his ability to block. I'm sure that they they paid attention to that. And he didn't have a drop. Like, he's he, this isn't Kyle Pitts. This isn't, you know, Randy Moss 2.0. It's none of that. But could he end up being something for you? You know, and that might be replacing Seathan Carter on, on special teams to a degree. Like, it, it might be that level. But it's something. And I, I do think the fact that the, the Bengals – bring in a guy who, again, is good friends with Joe Burrow. Like, this isn't like they were just former teammates and had some success. They're friends. They get along well. It, uh, it it says that at least the Bengals are trying to make life a little easier on Burrow. I don't think it really matters about the fifth pick or impacts the fifth pick with Jamar. I know some people, the moment it happened was, LSU, Jamar, Chase at five, and it is going to be the 2019 offense. I, I mean, I don't see that happening uh, because of that. Like, I don't think this is an indicator. But it's cool to see. And... Uh, I'm sure Joe Burrow was smiling a lot on Monday when he saw the news. I'm sure he was somewhat advocating for it as well, right? I mean, that has to be a part of why the Bengals had interest in Thaddeus Moss initially. You know, after I talked about, you know, 6'2", 250, undersized for a tight end, didn't look terribly athletic when you watched him at LSU, then didn't test because of the surgery. So hard to really know what you're getting from an athleticism perspective. I think he has some work to do as a blocker too. I don't know if he has special teams experience at LSU because he was playing in their offense. So really a lot would have to go right for him to end up making the team, but certainly we'll have opportunities to prove his worth on special teams. And if, you know, if he can rekindle any of that connection with Burrow, I think that would only help his cause, but Again, I, I do think this is a real long shot. Before we started recording the segment, James, you said, you know, you saw it as kind of a 50 50 
for him to make the roster at this point. And my immediate response was, I think that's a little generous, you know? What do you put it at? Oh, I don't know, 30, 70 maybe-ish, something in that range, maybe a little bit worse. Uh, I, I just think that it would have to take something that exceeds my expectations. And and certainly he's he's capable of it, right? Like he had moments with Joe Burrow. He had great body control plays. He even worked with Burrow on some improvised plays, you know, outside of structure plays at LSU. But I, I think real uphill road for him, being an undrafted free agent, being a wave player as an undrafted free agent, it's always, always hard for those guys to find their way onto NFL rosters. And despite the connection with Burrow, I think it's a real uphill battle, but it would be a great story if he fi- finds his way and if reconnecting with his old quarterback is is a launching point for his career, that'd be great. I mean, for, for a number of reasons, for, for Randy Moss to be in Paul Brown Stadium more than one day a year, you know, if he even goes one day a year, for for the the Joe Burrow narrative that we look back on, for the Bengals to find a tight end on the waiver wire. I mean, many, many ways that if this goes right, this is a great story, but it's just a lot has to go right for it to get there. No doubt. There's no doubt about it. You, you said it was a long shot, and it is. I mean, this is a guy, we don't know what he was. There was no preseason. There was no way to tell at Washington, oh, well, he's flashing a little bit. We have no idea. And I, to him, and if I am him, this is perfect because I get a guy in Burrow who I know, who I obviously am friends with, but feel good about and trust. And look, it's not like the Bengals tight end room's amazing, right? It's not. And so it does open up the door if you're Thaddeus Moss. And now it's up to him to to take that door and kick it down and, and throw it down and make sure that it doesn't shut again. And if he does that, good for him. But you're right. It's much, much easier for me to say here on Locked on Bengals than for Moss to actually do it in real life at Paul Brown Stadium. I think what what this move really indicates is that the Bengals wanted to bring in a tight end with championship experience to mentor Kyle Pitts when they take him with the fifth pick of the draft. (laughs) I love it. Here, Kyle, this is what Joe wants. This is what you need to do to succeed with Joe Burrow, right? And and Thad can tell him that. Hey, Hey, I'll throw this. He was productive in the biggest games, though. Uh, so that uh, that part of it's fun. And and so is the Kyle Pitts idea. I just I don't think it's it's realistic. The opposite side is John Sheeran's very sarcastic tweet that is, well, there you have it. You can cross Kyle Pitts off with a red ink pen because they've got Thaddeus Moss. Now, neither of those things, of course, are true. Thaddeus Moss will have no impact whatsoever on pick number five. Also, in news today, unrelated to Thaddeus Moss and mostly unrelated to Joe Burrow, Giovanni Bernard relocating to Tampa, Florida, where he will be the new James White or whichever receiving running back you prefer. Kevin Falk, if you want to go way back for for Tom Brady in that Tampa offense. And James, you you and I have talked about this. You You especially have talked about this quite a bit. Excellent fit for one of the better receiving backs in the NFL with one of the better quarterbacks at utilizing his running backs in the receiving game in the NFL in Tampa where they have great perimeter weapons as well. They've got a generally very strong offensive line. But Gio and Tom Brady seems like a match made in heaven. Smart, able pass protector, good 
after the catch. Good receiving back. Great landing spot for him. Go chase that ring, Gio. And don't pay any state income tax while you do it. Giovanni Bernard is a smart, 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 smart man. And I thought so before today, but it was just such an easy fit. It made so much sense. Ian Rappaport said that the Chiefs were interested in him too. I get it. The Chiefs are fun. Guess what? No way. I'm all day picking Tampa Bay over the Kansas City Chiefs because you're right. It is a perfect, perfect fit. And here's the thing, and I know this isn't the Locked on Bucks podcast, so I, this is the only Bucks comment I'm going to make here. Everyone was like making this big deal, and it was a feat that they kept all their starters, Jake. But Super Bowl teams got to get better. They can't just keep what they have and expect to win again. And Giovanni Bernard makes them better on offense because he's arguably their best back, their most complete back, a guy that, to me – can play on all three downs if you need him to. Now, he won't most of the time because they have Leonard Fournette, right? They have Ronald Jones, guys that are bruisers that can step up and play at a high level. But to me, third and eight, Giovanni Bernard should be in on every single third and eight because of his pass protection, because of his ability to catch out of the backfield and potentially bail Tom Brady out at times. So this is the first time I think this this offseason where the Bucks actually got better on offense after retaining all those starters. Well, and they still haven't kept Antonio Brown. So, you know, if they can get an Elijah Moore kind of player, Rondale Moore in that offense, one of those slot guys, it's a, a speedy change of direction guy, move Chris Godwin back outside. They could refill all of those skill positions. And like you said, they're running it back in a big way. They've kept in essentially their entire defense together and most of their offense together. And not to get too far into the Bucks conversation, and we'll move on just after this point, but it does kind of tie into the Bengals because to me, the biggest question for Tampa is if they get hurt on that offensive line, do they have the depth? Because looking at their roster, generally speaking, the depth is pretty good. Like I recognize a lot of the second stringers and I don't cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But when I look at that second string offensive line, it's uh, some college free agents, some street free agents and some waiver claims. So that I think kind of ties to the Bengals only insofar as saying offensive line depth is important. It was important to the Chiefs when they lost literally all of their starters for the Super Bowl. And it, it ties into the Chase versus Stool debate that will continue from now until probably September. Coming up next, James, speaking of Chase versus Sewell, Lance Zerline has put together a power ranking of the deepest positions, in his opinion, in this 2021 draft class. We'll take a look at those positions and how they fit with what the Bengals need coming up next. You can always save a lot of money doing your own work on your car. If it's something like an oil change, a filter replacement, replacing a headlight, all much cheaper to do yourself than to pay somebody to do it for you. And if you're going to do it yourself because you want that sense of accomplishment for having fixed something with your own hands, Go over to rockauto.com and save even more money by utilizing their expansive product selection for any sort of make and model you might have. And not only are they going to beat the price of whatever chain store you'll end up at, you don't have to go out and go there yourself. They'll send it to you in the mail. Rockauto.com's price is the same for do-it-yourselfers as they are for mechanics and their website is incredibly easy to navigate, easy to search. So go check it out right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. 
Make sure you write a locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Let's keep things rolling with Lance Zerline's positional rankings in the 2021 NFL Draft. Jake mentioned it earlier in the podcast. And basically, this is just ranking each position group in this year's class. And we've talked a lot about this, Jake, uh, just in passing. But to me, speaking of passing, I'm surprised that wide receiver is at the top of Lance's list. But he has wide receiver followed by offensive tackle and interior offensive line. And part of it, him breaking up the offensive line spots might make it a little bit easier to say wide receiver. But when we talk about Chase versus Sewell, Sewell versus Chase, those are the positions those guys play. So it looks like it bodes well for the Bengals' biggest needs. I wonder how the wide receiver thing would look if he broke it out like he did with the offensive line. Because obviously, interior offensive line and tackle, the NFL sees them as very different positions. They get paid different amounts of money. But also at wide receiver, you see that same thing with outside, num- outside number one wide receivers in particular and slot guys. For the, for the most part, slot guys are making less money than their counterparts on the outside. And and I think maybe if Chris Godwin continues to play the slot in Tampa, he might be an exception because he's on the franchise tag. But, you know, you wonder if he had split this into slot receiver and, and wide receiver, would it look the same or would it look different? Because I think probably a very strong class for slot receivers and not many guys have the builds that NFL teams typically like on the perimeter. And, and even the short guys, the short, fast guys that are in this class generally don't have the Tyreek Hill speed uh, skill set outside of maybe Jalen Waddell, right? The, one of the shorter, faster guys who has that kind of burst and ball tracking ability and suddenness that Tyreek Hill has. And and even Tyreek, the, the Chiefs get him in the slot quite a bit. So I do wonder about that, but it's really, I think, anchored by how strong the top of the class is and then the the back end, the day three depth. And these are the things that Zerline talks about are really good. But what's really missing for me in this wide receiver class, especially when you go look at our grades, is the second round guys. There's mm-hmm. maybe one guy on our entire list with a second round grade. There's some fringe first, second rounders in there like uh, Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore. Diami Brown has a solid second round grade. And then I, I think it's kind of a fall off. Then you have some guys with third round grades and a whole bunch of guys that, that look like good round four or five kind of picks, maybe six round picks. And there's a lot of strength there, but really missing that, that second tier of wide receivers this year. In my mind, you've got the really strong top end in Jamar chase and then you can kind of put Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle in that conversation. Rashad Bateman might belong in that conversation as well. And then the second tier is just kind of Terrace Marshall on the outside. That's it. Maybe Diami Brown in that conversation. And then the slot guys really start to fill in there. So that's why I wonder, you know, if you were to break it out into slot and wide, would it look the same, Mr. Zerline? Very curious to know that. But obviously... You know, for for a guy like Zerline, who's been a, a Rashawn Slater guy the whole way, maybe he doesn't see the top of this class as strongly as he did last year's class. And I think that that's probably fair. But the depth is just so strong. And he actually talks about that when he when he writes this up. He says the class is much deeper in rounds two through four 
And so maybe more starters, more solid plus players without the top end of last year, because I know he was really high on guys like Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs last year. And that's the thing that that's the, the team chase kind of philosophy, right? Is the depth in rounds two through four. Now, from a need standpoint, as you were talking, the Bengals offensive line obviously is worse than the wide receiver core because they have a Tyler Boyd, right? Their slot receiver is taken up. They have a guy in T Higgins and they're, they need multiple guards and potentially a center and a, a you know, a right tackle of the future. Like there's needs uh, from an offensive line standpoint and a developmental standpoint. But I did think this comment was interesting because you, you mentioned Slater. He had Slater ahead of Penny Sewell. He said Sewell boasts a lot of upside, but needs to prove he has improved his play strength and consistency after opting out in 2020. And th- that's the thing is there, there are just, there are some questions there and none of these guys are perfect. Jamar Chase isn't perfect. And th- that's the part that's going to, to be interesting with the Bengals, especially if they do take Sewell, do they kick Riley reef inside or do they call Sewell a guard and say, Hey, just out athlete, everybody at garden year one. And they very well might do that. And he could have a ton of success doing so, right? Mauling people in the run game and, and doing that and getting out, out there and moving with Joe Mixon. So it, uh, it it did stand out to me, though, that wide receiver was there. But to your point, the Bengals have a, a slot. They don't need a, a multiple a multiple slot receivers. They don't need uh, really anything outside of one wide receiver one opposite T Higgins. They thought maybe it would be AJ green last year. And obviously it wasn't. And so they need to fill that role. It could be another wide receiver two kind of guy too, but those guys just aren't really in this draft. Like I mentioned, it's, it's a real thin tier two of outside guys. If there even is a tier two of outside guys, you, you mentioned earlier, James, that interior offensive line is the third the third on this list of positional rankings in this year's draft, he says guys like Landon Dickerson, Quinn Miners, Aaron Banks, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith should all become starters, could go as early as the second round. Elijah Vera Tucker, obviously the headliner. I, I find it interesting that he doesn't mention some of the short arm tackles that I think might get forced to guard by certain NFL teams. But if you do start to include those guys, then I think that the, the interior class gets a lot stronger Daniel Jeremiah even tweeting today that, you know, NFL teams generally do see this as a deep offensive tackle class, but the the rankings within that group vary widely. And the guy that we picked yesterday on Mock Draft Monday, James, Alex Leatherwood, apparently has grades ranging from like 40 to the fourth round, maybe some <laughs> late first rounder. So some people see Alex Leatherwood as a fourth round guy. And he, and he has the length. So I really wonder about some of these shorter guys uh, in terms of length as well. Guys like Brady Christensen and Dylan Raddins and James Hudson, et cetera, that don't meet the, the various thresholds that, that exist in the NFL for, for tackle play. But that just goes to show you how the draft process goes. Evaluations are divisive and teams almost never agree. So this idea of consensus is sometimes a logical fallacy in the first place, but let's keep going through the list here. James edge defender and cornerback coming next at four and five linebacker six. We can safely probably ignore linebacker until a little bit later, but edge defender. It's nice that, that at least one analyst here sees this as a strong position because it would behoove the Bengals probably to draft at least one edge rusher. If, if they can fit it in this year, because currently, as we discussed, I think yesterday, 
they they need some juice. They need some rotational juice to help rush the passer. If you were like painting a picture of like positions you wanted them to address with their eight picks, and it, you know, and if they were guaranteed hits, and this is by far not the case, and you were just going by positions and need, to me it would be two receivers, two to three offensive linemen, two edge rushers, an interior defensive lineman. Right? It would just be that. And so edges, at worst, their third biggest need. And the good news is, is the value does kind of line up because we know they're not taking an edge at five, but rounds two and three, they should be able to find something early day four. Maybe they can find something. And obviously I think that the sweet spot, we've talked to multiple analysts on the pod rounds two and three are that I think they can there. And, uh, and so it is good to see that where they would actually draft an edge rusher that, that, uh, that's going to line up from a you know best player available standpoint, at least based on the information we have. Yeah, and we'll see if they can manage to get there on day two or if it has to wait to day three. The unfortunate thing, James, is that interior defensive line is the bottom of the list for yeah. Lance Zerline at number 11. He does mention, of course, Christian Barmore, Levi Onzariki, and Milton Williams, all guys we've talked about on this podcast as potential Bengals fits. The other ones on the list that we haven't talked about here I said linebacker at six. I don't really see the Bengals playing in the linebacker pool early. If if anything, I think that's coming on day four. Quarterback seven. Again, you said day sorry, four. I said day four. You said day four earlier. Day three. Round four. Did round I five, say day six. four? You sure did. Oh, wow. Dang. That's all right. And you didn't stop me. I tried to stop you. You just yeah. let it roll, baby. Well, we're just letting let it, it all roll today. Eight safety, nine running back, 10 tight end. So a bunch of positions that the Bengals aren't likely to be terribly interested in besides running back at this point and interior defensive line that kind of round out the the shallower part of this draft, not going into the draft, needing a safety, not going into the draft, needing a tight end, although they could use a tight end, not going into the draft, of course, needing a linebacker. These are all things that kind of play into the Bengals benefit this year, if they can find the right guys at some positions. And that's why I'm looking at Milton Williams as a guy that, you know, if you're getting him in the fourth round on that PFF simulator, eh, you might have to take him in the second round, the way that class is shaping up. And then that value because of the history of, of getting him in the fourth round in that mock draft simulator might start to feel a little bit worse, but I think he can be a really good player in the NFL. Anyway, that is the list of positional rankings according to one Lance Zerline, NFL.com's draft analyst. And as we've discussed, James, good news for Bengals fans, good news for the Bengals because this really does seem to line up with some of the positions they'll be drafting in 2021. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow we're joined by Malik Wright, the Wright Report, who many of you got to know with his accurate free agency breaking news predictions or or just telling you what was happening before it happened. We'll talk to him about what free agency was like for him and more about the Bengals offseason plans tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.